Well, I want to welcome all of you here at Little Creek as well. Our campus is on the South Shore, the Gulf Coast, and our online campus to week two of our new series entitled Transform. Come on, can we welcome the other campuses right now? Excited to have them. You know, last week, if you weren't here, we started a seven-week series, and in this series called Transform, we're looking at seven key areas of our lives. We're looking at how in 2015 uh, we can experience spiritual health, today physical health, next week emotional health, we're going to talk about mental health, relational health, financial health, and then we're going to finish up on our seventh week talking about vocational health. Now, important, every week we're going to be going to the Bible. I'm not giving my opinion. Uh, we're asking the question, what does the Bible say about these areas in our lives. Again, during this series, we're looking at some of the most famous and classic texts in the whole Bible. Last week, related to spiritual health, uh, we looked at, in Luke chapter uh, 17, we looked at the prodigal son. Very, very, very important uh, parable in the New Testament. This week, I want to look at, I want to look at one of the most famous, matter of fact, I'm going to say it, I'm going to go on record. The most famous psalm in the book of Psalms, Psalms 23. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Psalms 23 today. I want to talk about physical health. I want to talk about in 2015, living healthy physically. If you have your Bible, I do want to talk about a verse, uh, probably one of the famous verses around here that we use all the time because it encapsulates both the internal and the external, God's desire for us to be spiritually healthy, mentally and emotionally and physically healthy. Third John 2, here's the heart of God. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Everyone say all things. And really, that's what this series is about. In the seven key areas of our lives, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially, vocationally, relationally. See, God doesn't want us to succeed in two or three areas and be defeated in three or four. God wants us to move forward in 2015 in every area of our lives. He says, beloved, I pray you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So, so God wants us healthy inwardly, and God wants us healthy externally. Why? So that we can fulfill the call of God on our lives, so that we can fill, fulfill our destiny, so that our destiny is not cut short. Now, I want to say this. I don't have time, nor am I uh, trained to teach you guys a health and fitness seminar, okay? I want everybody to know that. Lots of good resources out there, uh, lots of good stuff. Again, uh, we, we could talk about what you need to learn about, and we should all do healthy physical exercise. I think they talk about uh, at least four or five times a week, you know, aerobic exercise, get your heart pumping, all that. Also, eating healthy. Uh, that's tough in South Louisiana. Can have a big amen. It is. We all struggle with it. But nonetheless, eating healthy, drinking plenty of water, getting seven to eight hours of rest. Again, all of those things are important. All of those things we should incorporate into our lives. But my message today is not specifically addressing those physical things we need to do. I will mention in our small group this week, uh, we're going to touch a little bit more on the physical dimension of health related to our bodies. Today, though, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about not A, but the. I want to talk about the number one enemy to physical health. As a matter of fact, if we don't get a grip on what I'm going to talk about today, it does affect our sleep patterns. It does affect our eating patterns. 
It affects every part, the totality of, of our life. Every part of our life is affected by what I'm going to talk about today. It affects our overall physiology. And that is chronic stress. I want to talk to you today about chronic stress because I believe in 2015, if we don't get a grip on it, listen, we're not going to be physically, I'll go so far as to say, we won't be physically, emotionally, mentally, we, we will not experience the health that God intends for us. Now, again, this series is based upon a series done by uh, Pastor Rick Warren, Saddleback Church in California, great man, and uh, he has uh, two sons, and uh, they were young, budding entrepreneurs, and they were always coming to their dad with different business ideas and uh, leaders and business ideas. They'd come to their dad. Of course, they would hear their dad teach you about a range of topics. And one day they came to uh, their dad because they wanted to capitalize with some potential business opportunities and some of the things he was teaching. <clears throat> His dad was talking about stress. So the boys, this is a true story. The boys made up what's called stress balls. And they were balloons with sand in them and they would tie a knot around the end. And they said, dad, here's the thing. When you teach on stress, if you'd let us in the foyer of the church sell these stress balls, uh, we can make a lot of money. And here's the concept, Dad. When people get stressed out, they just squeeze these things, and it relieves stress, and it, it's really good. And it was a younger entrepreneur, or say, actually the younger salesman that came to his dad and was really trying to sell his dad. Dad, let us please, in the foyer of the church, sell these stress balls. And his dad said, son, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I mean, that would not be good, and that would be a little bit strange. And, and so the son responds. and says, Dad, here's the deal. How would you like one free? His dad says, all right, I'm open to that. He goes, and the young salesman kid says, great, dad, buy one, get one free. <laughs> How do you know that kid's slick? I mean, he just put it, put it right in. It's amazing. It's amazing in our culture, the, 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 the gimmicks, the things, some good, some not so good, the, the, the lengths that we go to to try to reduce stress, to try to deal with this chronic malady that we all that we all face at times. Stress is, stress is really a primary threat. It's, it's a, either real or perceived threat. Whatever threatens your body, that becomes stressful. Whatever threatens your mind, whether emotional, physical, spiritual, it, it affects you. It affects your physiology. What happens is, is your, 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 your pulse quickens, your heart rate goes up, and adrenaline starts secreting into your blood system when, when you have stress. Now, I want to go on record and say not all stress is bad. Fact is, you couldn't grow physiologically if you're in the weight room. A little bit of stress on your, your muscles, a little tearing down and building up. So, so, so I'm not talking about, again, I've, I've heard preachers preach this message, how to eliminate stress in your life. You need a certain amount of stress in your life for, to be productive. I'm not suggesting that we're going to eliminate all stress. Again, you're standing in the middle of a car, and you see somebody, or you're still in the middle of a road and see somebody get about to get hit with a car, adrenaline shoots into your body, you grab that person, you pull them out of the way. Okay, that's stress working on the behalf of not only you, but also that person. That's a good thing, adrenaline in your body. Okay, but what I'm talking about is chronic stress. What I'm talking about is the stress that's bad. I'm talking about the 24-7, 365, even leap year, 366. I'm talking about that stress that just erodes it erodes your emotional uh, well-being. It erodes your mental well-being. It, it erodes your spiritual. And listen, let me tell you this. It can even erode your physical. It can actually even kill you if you don't get a grip on it. Again, scientific research. I know we have a lot of doctors and nurses, a lot of medical people in our church, but you, you can go and look at the scientific research, how dangerous and devastating chronic. Now, I want to put that there. Chronic stress is 
to your well-being. I, I, I'm not teaching theoretical stuff today. I'm not just teaching something that, uh, that, that is just something that's happened to somebody else. Some of you guys know my story in 2010, February 2010. Uh, we had been in a protracted building campaign. Those of you that are new or guests here today uh, at our Little Creek campus, what the building that we built, it was a, a longest, I think it was the longest building project in the history of American Christianity. I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, it was just long, man, year after year. And that doesn't even count all the buying of the land beforehand, but we did a building campaign 2008, 2009, 2010. Some of you know the story. I don't have time to go into all of it, but, but uh, in, 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 in the middle of that, or actually really a year into it, of course, the market crashed. There was a financial uh, first time in 70 years at this level, and so we were too far in that we couldn't go back, and so we decided, uh, the elders decided to pay cash, and so I want you to think about this. I'm the pastor, and every month above our tithe, we need anywhere from a 100000 to a half million, some months a million dollars that needed to come in to be able to pay our contractors because we had no bank loan, no bonds, no anything. We were paying cash. And for the pastor, I mean, tell you, I, I was a big deal, man. I'm just living under the weight of that. And it began to affect me not only mentally, emotionally, but physiologically, my stomach and how I would feel it. And thank God we had some great elders and overseers that I finally went to. I said, guys, I can't live like this. I went from preaching five to three services. I stopped doing our newcomer's dinner. I shifted my schedule. I started taking off more in the summer because the fact of the matter is I was 39 at the time, but I wanted to make it to 49, 59, and 69 and beyond. So, so I'm not talking about something theoretical right now. I'm not talking about something that I read in a book. I'm talking about something that I experienced. I know firsthand the devastating effects of chronic stress if we don't get a grip on it. Are you all with me? And God, listen to me. God wants you to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy in 2015. And one of the areas that we need to, grip, we need to get a grip on is this whole area of chronic stress. Now, Psalms 23 is a very powerful psalm in the Bible. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to pull out seven principles out of Psalms 23. But before I do that, of how to, quote, de-stress our lives, isn't it interesting that, that medical science and all these different scientific things, and I'm not debunking them at all, but isn't it interesting that they actually end up discovering the things that the Bible already told us thousands of years ago? Isn't that cool? You're going to see someday that God knows exactly how to de-stress our lives. But what are some threats? Let's talk about, because we need to know what our enemy is. We need to know what our enemies are so that we can live on the offensive. Doesn't that make sense? Let me give you one. Number one, worry. You talk about affecting, I'm talking about not just a passing thought, but when you have long-term worry where it's just, and, and by the way, we have so much to worry about. Identity theft, my gosh. Oh, your credit card, someone's going to take, there's so many things in our culture. And if your mind gets, remember this, there are no thought patterns, recurring thought patterns that don't affect your emotions that will not touch your level of your physical at some point. And that's why we've got to get a grip on worry. Number two, hurry. We live in a fast society. Remember this, technological advances, all the advances that we have in our society, they're good, Caveat, but they can also be bad if, if we don't get a grip. We can, there's, there's a speed, there's a pace of life that the faster that life has become, the more stressful life has become. How about crowds? As the world gets crowded more and more and more, did you know that by 2020, I think it's by 2020, 83% of the world's population will live in cities, the massive urbanization that's taking place right now? Again, I'm not suggesting that we all escape to Montana. I am suggesting that we need to be wise and we need to build margin in our lives contextually so that we don't feel like we're being overwhelmed constantly. 
How about multiple choices? I mean, multiple choice. There's so many choices. The menu of opportunity, the internet has brought that. But I mean, multiple choices are good, but it's also bad. I mean, you walk into, and you're like, my gosh. And so indecision, it's like eating at Bennigan's in the 80s. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I got stressed out even thinking about that menu. It's like, ah! <laughs> There was like 5,000 choices. I mean, like, it's too much. It's like going to Starbucks with your wife. Come on, can I get an amen? We're sitting there like, huh, we're going to Starbucks. We're in a little van, you know, and so and like, okay, we're going to order. And my wife's like, non-fat, soy, one pump. And I'm like, honey, you're going to have to write this down. I'm serious. Huh? She's going, and I'm like, so I'm trying to translate. You know the duck, duck, goose game? Red duck, red duck, truck, truck, duck. I mean, I'm like, honey. And so finally, I'm like, I lean back. I'm like, ma'am, lean forward. Can y'all just talk? Again, I appreciate the options, the menu of options. I appreciate that in our culture. Let me tell you, but it can be pretty stressful. If we don't get a grip on it, it really can. How about the fear of loss? One big problem with modern society is, again, you look at our forefathers. We are an affluent society. I mean affluent. And so the more that we have, here's the problem. The more that you have, the more that you fear that you'll lose. So that causes stress. Our money, stock market, going to retirement, this, oil price. You know, so, so insurance is caught. So here's the problem. The more that you have, the more that you potentially will fear that you lose. And it creates a tension. It creates an internal tension. How about pluralism? Do you remember when America was a homogenous society where everybody kind of believed like you believed? And now we're facing such a such a, a complex thought. There's so many different thoughts out there in our culture, and, and, and it's it's challenging, and there's conflict, and it's gosh, woof, ah, you know, it, and so it, all of these things. Again, none of these things in and of themselves are bad unless you don't know how to deal with them, and unless they compound thing after thing after thing after thing. How about just fear the future? Again, somebody once said, you know, are more things happening in our culture now or, or are we just more aware of those things? Yes. I think it's both. I mean, my gosh, whether it's Ebola, and these are real threats. These are not perceived threats. ISIS, this, that, economic. I mean, again, yes, we have more knowledge and more information related to the internet, related to 24-7 and all the different, uh, you know, Fox and CNN, continuous negative news. And so you just, you, we have all that, we, we, we have all of that 24-7. Some of y'all get that later, but, but the problem is, is it produces a fear of failure. What ifs and what ifs? Everybody say, what if? I'm going to deal with the what ifs in just a moment. So, so we're talking today, it's about, I want to live, how many of y'all want to live physically healthy in 2015? Come on, how, how many, raise your hand up. Okay, last week was spiritual health, this week is physical health. We need to attack chronic stress in our lives. All right, we're going to do it through Psalms 23. Seven habits that reduce stress. It's the most beloved psalm in the Bible. It's no accident that this psalm, this psalm has de-stressed people, literally for thousands of years. Seven habits, seven habits straight out of Psalms 23 that reduce stress. All right, here we go. Psalms 23.1. Let's just start. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to go through six or seven lines, and I'm just going to extract seven principles to help address these potential threats in our lives. Again, remember my thesis. You cannot eliminate all stress in our lives. 
some stress, a healthy amount of stress, taking a test in school. That's a healthy amount, but it's the chronic overabundance of stress and a life out of control that can cause physical breakdown. All right, number one, the Lord is my shepherd. David said this, I shall not want. The first thing King David says that we need to do is that we need to look first, watch this, to God to meet our needs and not to other human beings. If we want to calm our souls in 2015, watch this. This is big. The primary shift, we need an optics shift. <laughs> what do I mean by that? We, we need a shift in our optics where, where, where when we look to people to meet our needs, when we look to our spouse to ultimately try to meet our needs, when we look to our job or our boss, when we look to our kids, when we look to anything, listen, see, the, the, the things, that, there's a transient nature to every human relationship. I mean, people, people change and things happen. And, and so it's not to suggest that, that we shouldn't enjoy earthly things or enjoy relationships, but when you look to a person to do what for you only what God can do, you're going to get disappointed. And what's going to happen is you're going to set yourself up for stress. But when your security's in Christ, see, if you're looking to a person, even your spouse, if you're looking to your spouse to meet every one of your needs, what happens if your spouse uh, falls ill? What happens if something happens? Now you begin to freak out. And what happens when they, listen, what happens when they actually act human? You remember when you were dating? Oh, let me get it for you. No, let me get it for you. Let me get it. Oh, no, no, let me serve you. Let me serve you. And then you get married. Three months later, get it yourself. Not me, but y'all did that. Okay, y'all remember that? <laughs> see, see, when we're, when we're looking to other human beings, and again, I'm all in the community. I'm in the small groups. Remember, I champion that. I, I promote that. It's biblical. I'm into relationships. But ultimately, ultimately, 2015, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus first. That, that, that's where our help comes from. I love the living Bible as opposed to the dead Bible. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I often wonder these words, but the living Bible, because the Lord is my shepherd. I love this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. If we want to see our lives transformed in 2015, we need to stop expecting people to meet the needs that only God can meet. Now, again, it's not that people don't meet our needs, but they don't meet our primary needs. Ultimate primary needs are met by God. So when you start to feel stressed out, burdened, freaked out, burned out, bummed out, the first thing that we're going to do this year is that we're going to pray. And what prayer does, watch this, prayer, it's an, optic, it's an optic shift. It's prayer changes our focus off of people, places, and things, and it puts our focus on God. See, do you see the shift? Are you all with me? Does that make sense? Isaiah 30, 15, this is what the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel says, if you come back to me and trust me, you'll be saved. You'll be calm. As you trust me, you'll be strong. Everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. I want to live spiritually, emotionally, and physically healthy in 2015. And one of the things to de-stress our lives, to reduce stress, is we got to take our eyes off of this earthly system meeting all of our needs. Remember this, your job is a tributary, it's not your source. Your source is God. All right, number two, obey God's instruction about rest. <clears throat> this is so cool. I'm just going verse by verse. Psalms 23, 2. Look what it says here. 
God, David's talking. He says, he makes me. Everyone say, he makes me. That's going to be important. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You may want to circle that phrase, he makes me. David is saying, God makes me. Here's a question. All right? It's not a rhetorical question. It's something you need to answer. You can answer it under your breath. Here it is. Has God ever had to make you lie down because you wouldn't lie down yourself? See, the fact is, is that God designed you and I physiologically. God designed us after the pattern in which he even created the world. Here it is. Six days God created, and I can go through it, the stars, the the animals, Adam, all that. And on the seventh day, God did what? God, do you think it was because he was tired? I think it's because he was modeling. He was modeling for his creation, namely you and I, that watch this, watch this, that you and I have to learn rhythms. There's a cadence, please don't miss this. There's a rhythm to life. There's a cyclical, rhythmic nature to life. Ooh, Pastor Steve, that's kind of getting freaky. No, it's in the Bible. It's in the agricultural world. There's a planting, there's a sowing, there's a reaping. How many know in our lives, there's seasons, there's, there's a daily rhythmic nature, there's a monthly, there's a, there's a yearly thing. And, and let me tell you something. If you and I, 24-7, do you remember the goose and the golden egg thing? Do you, do you remember that, 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 that moral fable there? That, that, that you can't go at maximum output. Maximum output 24-7. Well, you can, but it'll begin to break down every part of your life. Isn't it interesting that the Big Ten, remember first and ten, the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, I'm going to do a series in the next year or two on just the Ten Commandments, which are the most powerful principles and laws and rules for living, both to keep our heart connected to God, but to empower us to become the people God's created us to be. Isn't it interesting, you know, don't lie, don't steal, don't, uh, all this stuff, all right? Don't bar false witness. Don't put anything before God. Isn't it interesting that, that right in there, God says, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy? And that's not just go to church. That's talked about there's a day of rest. There's a day of rejuvenation. See, what happens when we violate God's laws and God's principles is we begin to break down. But let's be honest. In our culture, we, 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 we get extra credit for not only being busy, but for being busy plus for kind of going beyond. I mean, I'm talking about going beyond to the point. I mean, be honest. Nobody wants to talk to it. Somebody comes up to you and says, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Well, what's been going on? Not much. No, 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 no. You don't do that in our culture. If you do, you are a loser. You're a loser. Oh, Oh, me? <laughs> I just, just kind of riding around drinking coffee, not doing much. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't respond. We go, oh, man, things have been going. Good stuff. Happen. I mean, it's happening. Things, ooh, job, oof. Uh, you know, it's a, and so really what we're doing is we're elevating in the mind of that person interpersonally their perception of our significance and our worthiness as a human being because we're productive. Now, I'm not advocating laziness or slothfulness. That's the other side of the coin. But I'm also not advocating erratic behavior where we're trying to prove our worth by how, much bu- how busy we are and we don't sleep. I used to sleep seven hours, now it's six, now it's five. Ah, uh-huh, you know how it is. You got to work, 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 work where everybody's sleeping. Yeah, knucklehead, you also die early too. He makes me. Everyone say he makes me. He makes me lie down. Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. My best, listen, my best requires rest. Let me help all the people. You can look this up scientifically, physiologically. You can look this up. Do you know when you live in an adrenalized condition, 
Talk about efficiency and productivity at work, businessmen and women, everybody here, this is important. Do you know when you live adrenalized, adrenaline when it shoots in your body, things are happening, making deals, do you know when you live that way, adrenaline actually shuts down your higher order critical thinking skills and you actually are less productive. Adrenaline is a fight or flight release a hormone into your system. So it's not even good to live that way. Everybody say you're preaching good, Pastor. I want to live better, so I want to be highly productive, right? And by the way, I used to, I, I used to, I, I used to boast that I wouldn't take a day off because I was scared if somebody in our community saw me, you know, just, you know, what are you doing, Pastor? You being lazy? No, I'm trying to live. I, I'm having to learn to throw off. Again, when you're on the job, you're productive, you're making it happen. But you and I have to learn to cooperate in 2015 with God's pattern of rest, renewal, and rejuvenation. Number three, if I want to live physically healthy in 2015, I, need, I must recharge my soul with beauty. Now, this is a really interesting. Recharge my soul with beauty. Psalms 23.3. Look what it says here. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul, <clears throat> my mind, will, and emotions. My inner being. He leads me beside still waters. There's something about water. There's something about still water. Something about looking at a lake. There's something about looking at water. There's something about looking at God's creation that calms the soul. Beauty inspires. Let me, let me say this. Have you ever thought about why God made the sun set and the sun rise so pretty? He didn't do it for him, but he did it for you. He did it for me. And let me tell you why. Because beauty motivates. Beauty relaxes. Beauty inspires. Some of you that like to ski or go to the mountains and, and you go out there and you, and you get there and, you, and, you, and you're, you, you're coming down and you're looking and you almost lose your breath because it's, it's just, it's, it's so majestic. God did that for us. He didn't do that for himself. He did that for us. He leads me beside still waters. There's something about, there's something about, there's something about being outside. There's something about the beauty of God's creation. See, we're not pantheists. We don't believe the creation is God, but we believe it's the creation of God. That tree, that's God. No, that tree is the handiwork of God. Are, are you with me? Did you ever, just think about this for a moment. When God created Adam and Eve, did you ever think about this? God did not put them in a concrete bunker. Where did he put them? He put them in a what? He put them in a, in 2015, I want to encourage you, in some of your jobs, you're going to have to work towards this. I want to encourage you to get outside every day. Not just driving to work, but get outside, whether it's lunchtime or afterwards, take a walk. You need to take in the beauty of God's creation. There's something about, there's something about the rejuvenation of the soul. There's something about how God, when we gaze upon the creation, Romans talks about, the book of Romans, it talks about that we can see the handiwork of God, that inwardly we know there's a God when we behold and look on his creation. Get outside every day. Number two, start the day with God and not media. I tell you, if you really want to do something when the weather's nice, whether it's the fall and the spring, sometimes in the winter, sometimes in the summer, early in the morning, when you start your day with God in his creation, outside. There's, there's a rejuvenating component to that. Number four, number four, 2015, I, I need to learn to go to God for guidance. 
A lot of stress, watch this, a lot of stress comes in our lives because we're not, we're not believing this principle. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. We've got to believe, listen, we've got to believe that God will lead us and God will guide us. As we interface and interact with this book, as we read God's word, as we meditate on scripture, as we become men and women of prayer, again, I advocate discipleship and community and spiritual family and small groups and I mean, that's, that's what I believe in. And, but, but, but I will say this, I will say this. Oftentimes we're going to people first for, for, for answers when the question is, have we actually gone to God first as well? God wants to speak to you. God, you are, you listen, let me tell you something. God has no grandchildren. You're his son and daughter. God wants to speak to you directly every single day. Are you with me? You don't live with your grandchildren usually, but you live with your kids when you're raising them. But let me tell you something. You're in the house of God and God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you through this word. God wants to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and listen to me. When there's, a, when there's a complex situation in your life, stress comes when there's often no answers. And so the question is, have we gone to God? Have we asked God? Have we talked to God? If anyone lacks wisdom, James says, let him ask of God. And God will speak to us. God will encourage us. We need to learn we want to reduce stress in 2015. Listen to me. Like I said last week, life is hard enough as it is. It's much harder to live without God's help. Number five, trust God in the dark valleys. 2015, we want to live a transformed life. We want to experience, watch how physical health is connected to this. Psalms 23, 4, very powerful. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You and I need to learn in 2015 not to fear. And let me tell you what we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear loss. Not to suggest that we won't experience loss, but we don't need to fear loss. Now, I want everybody to hear me. I've got about five, six minutes left. Very important. <clears throat> Very important what I'm about to teach. One of the common sources of stress in our lives is the fear of loss, which begets more of the fear of loss. Now, there's two common reactions to loss that we all experience. Number one is grief, and number two is fear. Grief is good. Fear is not. Now, I'm going to help you guys because spiritually, emotionally, and physically, if we want to be healthy in 2015, we're going to have to learn the biblical principle of grieving when we lose. When we lose things that we had prayed for, hoped for, believed for, whether it's a relationship, whether it was an opportunity, you can fill in the blank. You see, grief is God's Bible way of allowing us as human beings to process emotional pain. Now, I want everybody to hear me. This is very important. You may have not ever heard this before. It's in the Bible. The Bible talks about grieving. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There is a natural part, emotionally, how God designed us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physiologically. The grieving process is a normal process of dealing with loss in God's timetable. Grief is good. Fear is not. That's why the Bible does not say, it does not say, grieve not. It does not say, mourn not. It does not say, cry not. 
it does say fear not. Because what fear is, and, and I'm going to tell you, as a Christian, you want to give a Christian a pass, or, or, or a free pass, when you give them a free pass to cry and to grieve when they lose something, and, and, and somehow in the Bible, or not in the Bible, but somehow from preachers, and I'm one so I can talk about one. How many know you can make fun of what you are, but not something else? Because <laughs> that ain't cool. And ain't's not a good word, but I don't care. <laughs> Listen to me. I can do this. I've heard pastors, and I'll, I, I honor all pastors, but I've heard there's a subtle intimation at times from preachers and teachers that if you're in faith, that you don't grieve, and you just, you just get on with God, and yet when I see the Bible, when David lost his son, he grieved before God. If you want to be physically healthy in 2015, some of you need, you need, you need provision and permission to grieve, but we never submit to fear. Fear, fear is a, a, a negative perception, watch this, of attack, watch it, and it creates in us. That's why, by the way, the Bible does say, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. Fear not. What is fear? Fear is the anticipation of evil coming to mind. Fear is the anticipation of an injustice that's about to happen. It causes you to live reactively, defensively, and not offensively. That's why there's 365 times in the Bible. 365, check it out. Fear not. Isn't that cool? I guess on leap year, we just got to just, we're on our own. But anyway, <laughs> keep picking on leap year. Everybody say, fear not. Number six, you guys learn anything today? Oh man, this is big. I got two more, two more. All right, here we go. We're talking about living healthy in 2015, spiritually healthy, Today, physically healthy by reducing, yes, exercise, yes, drink plenty of water, yes, sleep right. Yeah. But if you want to talk about dealing with the, with, the, with the actual thing that is attacking us, it's chronic stress. You want to talk about stress? One of the main sources, watch this, six, let God be my defender. When God's not your defense, you want to talk about freaking out. Psalms 23.5, this is a really important. What you prepare, look what David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table. Right there. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. What's David talking about here? He's saying, you know what? God is so good to me. Look, God is going to prepare a table before me, right in the presence of my enemies. Right in the presence of my critics. Right in the presence of those that say, Harsh, mean, terrible things. You know, one of the things I, I came to a realization, now you got to understand my personality profile, I like to be liked. I think that's a pretty good thing for a pastor. I don't just like the Bible, I like people. So I like the Bible, but I like people, and I like being around people. And, and one of the things that I feared in my life is the fear of evaluation. And oof, it actually caused me to the point where, where I, I, I would almost consider, you know, God would speak to me about stepping out, but I would contemplate kind of through a tablet, uh, somewhat of a template. I, I, I would go, hmm, what will this per... And so, and I, I've had it come to my... I, I, I've had it come to this realization that some people just won't like you. And that's a revelation. You can't make everybody like you. You just can't. And it doesn't matter sometimes what you do. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be criticism. There's going to be attacks. It's just, in the, it's just all over the place. 
And what I've learned is, and I over-defended myself in the past. Now, I do believe that there's times where you need to lay the truth out there. If there's an accusation that's improper, there's times you just need to, you need to lay it out there. You're in a family, you're in a conflict, you're in a situation. You just, sometimes you need to just say, okay, let me just tell you the truth. But I'm going to tell you, I have exhausted myself at times trying to overly defend myself, where now I'm taking from the prophet Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Because some of them people are crazy out there. <laughs> you never can. Are y'all with me? Look. And I don't say that statement defensively either. You want to reduce your stress in 2015? Come on, how many of y'all want to do it? Y'all want to do it? I'm not, live, I'm not talking about living with a lack of integrity. I'm not talking about doing something crazy at work. And so I don't care what anybody says. That, that's absurd. There's a balance in all of Scripture because the Bible also talks about you should strive to have a good name among men. Are you with me? But I'm talking about even when you've done everything that's right, there's still people because of their own hurts, their own insecurities, their own fears, their own feelings of unworthiness, their own feelings that they're just not going to be thrilled about you. Sometimes it's in your own family. Sometimes it's at work. Sometimes it's at church. Sometimes in your neighborhood. The reality is we've got to like David. Psalms 18.1. Here it is. 2015. We've got to learn. I will love the Lord on my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is going to defend me. The Lord is my fortress. I'm not suggesting there's not times to put some truth out there, but I am suggesting ultimately you can't put enough, you can't get everybody to like you. You've got to ultimately say the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. You know what I found out? It takes more faith to rest when you're under attack than when you're not. I think in 2015, we need to, with humble hearts, learn to let God be our defense. Is God in control? of our lives, or is he not? Number seven, in conclusion, expect God to finish what he starts in us. Expect God to finish. Surely goodness, I love it, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. You need to change your confession, sir. Ma'am, you need to change. Man, I tell you, I just feel like tragedy and turmoil and distress and every time, every negative thing, every negative thing. You need to change your confession, sir. You need to begin to confess what the Bible says. Surely goodness. Everybody say goodness. I turn around. I'm not looking for devils. I'm looking for goodness. And I'm looking for his twin called mercy. There you are. Come here. Come here. Do you know shepherds and sheep, the shepherd would be go, go before. This is true, okay? The, 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 the shepherds would be go before the sheep, but they often had sheep dogs. You know where the sheep dogs were? They were in the rear. That's where they were. 2015, if you want to live, watch us, with less stress, you and I need to change our confession. Instead of anticipating all this negative, let's anticipate every time we turn around. God's not only in front of us, but also goodness and mercy are behind us. Come on, how many of y'all believe that? We've got to believe that. We've got to believe that. And that's why when you're talking with a believer, well, you know how it is, and you know the economy, you know this, and you know that, and I know negative things are going to happen, but I'm going to choose to focus on goodness and mercy. I'm going to choose there. Hey, God, hey, don't get too far back. Come right behind me. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Come on, y'all receive that? You receive that? Let me pray for you. Father, 
We just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. You're teaching us what it means to truly live a transformed life in 2015. And I want to say this. If you're in this place today, you do not know Christ. You're not sure about your relationship with God. You're not sure if you die today that you're ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. Um, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I can't save you. Our church can't save you. No denomination can save you. It's Jesus who saves. Do you know Christ? Are you sure? If you died today, sir, are you sure? Ma'am, are you sure that you're ready to stand before God? The Bible says, whoever calls out to Jesus, they confess they're a sinner. They need to be saved. All of us need to confess. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can't save ourselves. This is not about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's about surrendering ourselves to our creator. Do you know Christ? Are you sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? The count of three all over this building in our South Shore Gulf Coast, our online campus. I'm just going to ask for a show of hands right where you are. Say, Pastor, pray for me. You know who you are. The Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart. God is touching your heart. God is tugging and pulling in. You need to surrender your heart to Christ. You need the blood of Christ to wash you to cleanse you all over this place. And everyone on our campus, Pastor, pray for me. If that's you, one, two, three, quickly lift your hand up high so I can see it. God.